Matthew chapter 27, if you'll stand with us tonight for just a few moments. Matthew chapter 27. It's been a good day, and I thank God for His blessings on us today. We'll not keep you long tonight. We do want to look at one passage of Scripture, and I pray the Lord will speak to our hearts. Matthew chapter 27, and we'll begin reading in verse number 38. The Bible said, Then were there two thieves crucified with Him, one on the right hand and another on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests, mocking him with the scribes and elders, said, He saved others himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. Heavenly Father, Lord, we bow in your presence tonight. We want to thank you for the word of God. Thank you, dear Lord, for your Son. And Lord, how we've been reminded of the cross throughout today and And Lord, we've been reminded tonight of your goodness in our life. I ask you now to bless us these next few moments. May the will of God be done, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want to preach tonight on this subject on Calvary, the place of persecution. Calvary, the place of persecution. I was looking back through some sermons that uh, we preached over the last few weeks and a couple of months about the cross and Uh, This, I believe, would be the 20th sermon tonight uh, on the cross. And when you think about Calvary, it's just an inexhaustible subject. Uh, We talked about Calvary being a place of punishment and Calvary being a place of pain. uh, But tonight, I want to talk about Calvary uh, being a place of persecution. You might say, well, now, preacher, is it not all the same thing, pain and and punishment and persecution? But I want you to notice in this text tonight that the persecution... Uh, that Jesus experienced here is quite different from the persecution or the punishment or the pain that he has endured on his way to the cross. And I want you to notice the criminals in verse number 38. The Bible says, Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And when you think about Pilate, he had Jesus crucified uh, between these two thieves. And one of the reasons for that is to identify Christ uh, as a criminal. There was a thief on each side of him and so in the eyes of those that were there that day around the cross, uh, Jesus was not a king. They were trying to make that statement. He was a criminal and we know that he was not a criminal. We know that he was a king. Amen. And so we see the criminals in verse number 38 and then we see the crowd in verse 39. The Bible says and they that passed by reviled him wagging their heads. There is a crowd that is passing by the cross now. Jesus is on the cross. Uh, He's hanging there between those two thieves uh, and this crowd that is passing by. This is the people. This is those that have gathered there that day around the cross uh, of the multitude that is there and I remind you that in that multitude are people that Jesus helped to change their lives uh, and the lives of those that were their family members. Uh, uh, Jesus preached to this crowd. No doubt he fed some of them. He healed some of them and performed miracles in their life. And so the very crowd that Jesus had reached out to and that he had tried to help was the very crowd that put him on the cross. Amen. And so there's the criminals, there's the crowd. But when we get to verse number 40, down to verse number 44, I want you to see the comments. Amen. Because things are about to change now. The comments that are being made to Christ as he is on the cross. You see, they've done everything possible to Jesus to this point. I mean, they have beat him. They have falsely accused him. They have spit upon him. They put a crown on his head. They beat him on the head with a reed. They have stripped him of his raiment. They have scourged him. They have ripped open his rib cage and his back and his intricles. They have made him a bloody mess and a bloody pulp. They have humiliated him. They have shamed him. I'm telling you, and now they have even crucified him. You would think this crowd would be done with Jesus now, but that is not enough. After 
all that they have done to him. He's now hanging on a cross uh, and as he's hanging there, the question that came to my mind when I read this text uh, is what more could this crowd do to Jesus? Uh, I mean, they have literally just tortured him and taunted him to death. Uh, So what more could they do? You would think they would be satisfied. Now I'm gonna tell you something. There was a hellish hate uh, that rose up in the heart of those that was around the cross that day and they were not satisfied uh, even after all they had done to Jesus. uh, Now uh, they are going to verbally uh, persecute and abuse him uh, as he is on the cross of Calvary. You know, when I got to reading this text this afternoon, I didn't know what I was gonna preach on tonight. Really didn't have a sermon. But this passage came to my heart and I read this passage and as I was reading this passage of scripture, I thought to myself, every one of us knows what verbal abuse is about. We've all experienced the persecution, I, I, none of us has been tied to a stake. None of us uh, has uh, been threatened to throw, be thrown into a den of lions or, or, or a den of wild beasts. But we do know what it is uh, uh, to go on the job and, and try to live a Christian life or maybe go downtown somewhere uh, and you're identified as a Christian and somebody say something, uh, uh, verbal abuse. Uh, it comes from without the world uh, and it also comes even within the walls of the church. It's interesting in this text that there's three groups of people that verbally persecuted and abused Jesus in this text while he was on the cross. There was those that randomly, in verse 39, that's the crowd that passed by. There's always gonna be a crowd out there that's just gonna jump on the bandwagon and they're just gonna see the opportunity to say something about the church. They may never darken the door of the church, may never go to the church. They may not even know who the pastor of the church is, but they're just gonna jump on the bandwagon and say something about the church. They're just that random crowd. You know what I'm saying? They're just those that are passing by. You know, one time a man said something uh, about the church here and it was kind of funny. We was on visitation and uh, he said, I knocked on the door. We invited them to church and, and he said, oh, are you talking about the church down the road there? And I said, yes, just around the corner and over the, around the curve and over the hill there. He said, I'll never go to that church. I said, why? He said, well, I went to that church one time. And he said, you know, you, you, you wouldn't believe the pastor didn't even shake my hand when I was there. I said, he didn't. I said, well, can you remember what he looked like? He said, no. He said, I, I really don't remember. I just remember how, how unfriendly that church was. Well, I can't tell you the joy. Pray for me. But I can't tell you the joy I had when I just told him I was the pastor of the church. He said, I'm not talking about you. He said, it's been years ago. And, and so I reckon it was Brother Kate that, that was so unfriendly to him like years ago. But you know what that is? That's just someone randomly jumping on the bandwagon, persecuting the church. Uh, they don't mean anything by it. They're just passerbys. Uh, they're just gonna get on the bandwagon. Hey, there's always the bandwagon crowd. Somebody say amen. And then there's the religious people in verse number 41 that persecuted Jesus here. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him and the scribes and the elders. Hey, that's the religious crowd. Do you realize that Jesus experienced his greatest persecution not from the Romans. You go back a couple verses, I think it's in verse number 35 after the Roman soldiers got through, listen, carrying out their job, their responsibility of persecuting and tormenting and torturing Jesus. You know what they did? I mean, these bunch of Gentile Romans, uh, they just sit down at the cross and watch him there. I mean, they're just watching what's going on. Uh, their job is over with. Uh, they've crucified him. They've done what Rome's uh, uh, demands was. Uh, they've carried out the letter. They've carried out the law. And so now they're just sitting down. They're done. They're satisfied. But this religious crowd, they was the one that instigated every bit of this. Uh, and they're not satisfied. They're going to keep on going uh, until his last final breath has been taken. I'm going to tell you something, and I hate to make this statement, but it's very true. Sometimes the greatest persecution you'll experience is not from the world, but it's from within. Is that true tonight? It's so-called Christians that persecute an old-fashioned church, old-fashioned preaching, and an old-fashioned message. Jesus experienced persecution. His greatest 
from the crowd in verse 41 who was supposed to be the religious crowd. And then in verse number 14, these robbers crucified him, these thieves. Uh, uh, the Bible said the thieves also which were crucified with him. Notice it said they cast the same in, uh, uh, in his teeth. In other words, uh, these men that were hanging next to Jesus, they're persecuting him now. Do you see the picture? He is, he is being persecuted by those the crowd that's passing by. He's being persecuted by those that are rallied around the cross uh, and those that are making fun of him and even the ones hanging next to him are persecuting him at this point. Uh, I want to tell you there's no abuse. Uh, there's no verbal abuse. There's no persecution that you and I will ever go through in this life that will ever come close uh, to the persecution that Jesus felt as he was hanging there on the cross. I'm going to tell you what they, what they persecuted him about in this text tonight and be through. You see, you may be here tonight and be serving God. Maybe somebody in the church. or Maybe somebody else that goes to another church. Somebody, maybe it's a family member that claims to be a Christian, has said something about you. Well, you go to that church. Oh, well, you're, you're, you're one of those types. We've all experienced that. Somebody in the church says something about you. Listen, the best thing to do is just carry on, amen? You can't get your feelings hurt. You can't sit around and stew on it. You can't let it grow. You can't make more about it. You can't retaliate. We'll see that in this text here in just a moment. You just gotta keep on serving God. Isn't that right? You see, when Jesus is on this cross here, they're taunting him. They're persecuting him. They are not physically doing anything to him in this text, but verbally, they're standing around the cross and they're just saying things to him. They're just saying things about him. But you know what Jesus does? in this text. Uh, he is silent in this text. Uh, he is just uh, he is just steadfast in this text. Uh, he is just serving God here on the cross doing what the Father has asked him to do. And I'm going to tell you that's what you've got to do. When people start gossiping or people start saying things about you, you just got to be steadfast. Uh, you just got to keep serving God. Uh, you can't retaliate. Uh, you can't try to defend yourself. Uh, you just got to keep on being faithful. And if you'll just do what God lets, told you to do and let the chips fall where they are. Let the criticism come and let it go. People will see the truth in the end. Amen. Now, I want to tell you tonight, I've not heard anything. As far as I know, there's good unity in our church. And don't you thank God for unity? But I'm going to be honest with you. Down through the years, our church is like any other church. Sometimes criticism will rise up. If I catch the least bit of wind of it, you know what I do? I'll just preach on it, amen? I mean, just bust it up, isn't that right? I mean, if you're plowing and you hit a hard patch in the ground, you know what you do? You just back up and come again, don't you? You don't plow around it. You just bust it up and break up that fallow ground, amen? But there's been times down through the years I, I, knew, I knew somebody was stirring a little something up or something was going, but you know what you do? You just be steadfast. You just keep going. This church, down through the years, has experienced persecution. People have said things about this church, and I'm not talking about anything bad, but, but if you live for God, you're gonna get labeled. Is that right tonight? You know, if you have convictions in your life, not everybody in your family's gonna like it. And one thing I've never understood about people that claim to be so right and think that we're so wrong, why they always feel like they got to stir up something, why they always got to bring it up. You know, uh, you're one of the evidences is that what, you, that what you're doing, if it's right, you don't feel the need to go out and defend it to nobody. You don't feel like you got to discuss it with nobody. I don't feel like I got to debate it with nobody because the Bible is right. Thank God it's true. Uh, we just stand on it. We just carry it on. I, I don't have to get on social media tonight and and tell the whole world what I think or how I believe or how I feel. I don't got to answer somebody that would say something and I don't know that anybody has, uh, but even if they did, I wouldn't lose an ounce of sleep and wouldn't have to take a baby aspirin for it tonight. It wouldn't bother me in the least. You say, what would you do? I'd just get up tomorrow and do the same thing I've done every other Monday. You'd just get up and do the same thing you've done uh, and would just keep on keeping on. Uh, hey, 20 years from now, you know where I want to be at? I want to be right here doing the same thing I've been doing the last 20 20 years uh, being faithful to God. Uh, if the raptures not take place, uh, let's just be steadfast, amen. But you're gonna have to have some alligator hide if you're gonna live for God, amen. You're gonna have to be able to take some criticism. 
I don't think you go looking for a fight. Our Savior didn't do that. You don't try to be controversial. But when people try to persecute, you just carry on and you just be faithful. Notice what they persecuted about Jesus tonight in this text and we'll be through. Number one, I want you to see in verse number 40, they, per- they persecuted his words and saying, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. This is what Jesus said. Now, when Jesus said that, he wasn't talking about the, the he wasn't talking about the temple uh, mount. Uh, Jesus was talking about his body. But this crowd doesn't have any discernment. They weren't discerning that. They was all about that building. They, they, they didn't know what the message was. Uh, but they bring that up to him at the cross. Uh, they're reminding him of his words uh, and what he preached and what he said. I tell you, if you preach the truth and you stand for what's right, there's always a crowd that's going to run around and they're going to criticize your words. If you take a stand, they're going to twist your words. We know that Jesus wasn't talking about, hey listen, a building. We know that he was talking about his body. Amen. And this crowd took it and they used it against him. Hey, well, are we not living in that day when people take a little excerpt out of a sermon and they'll put it on a, listen, they'll put it on a website somewhere or they'll put it out there and they'll criticize that but they won't play the whole sermon. Amen. They won't play the whole message. You know why? They just want to take that little part uh, that they don't like uh, and they want to stir up some controversy. They'll persecute you over your words. Amen. How many times have you heard liberals say this? They love that verse, judge not that you be not judged. Anytime they want to do something sinful, that's their verse. That's the go-to verse. Anytime somebody takes a stand, boy, they'll, they'll, they'll type that verse in. Judge not. that You can always tell which side they're on by the fact that they use that verse. But put the verse in its context. It's talking about not being judgmental, amen? In other words, having the attitude that I'm better than what you are. I wanna tell you, there's not a standard, there's not a conviction in my life, there's not a doctrine in my life that makes me better than anybody else, amen? And I don't have those things in my life because I think I'm better. In fact, I know I'm not. As Brother Laddie said, we're just zeros. Listen, we're nothing tonight. And we know that our standards and our convictions and our principles and our doctrines doctrines are here and we believe them because that's what the Bible says. Amen. But I'll tell you a verse that crowd never uses uh, when they start talking about judging. They never want to go to 1 Corinthians. Amen. Where the Bible says that a spiritual man judgeth all things. Amen. Now they don't want to use that verse, do they? You know why? Because they've got an agenda. That crowd will say, well, you know, I I don't think you ought to uh, uh, judge people. Okay. I don't think you ought to judge people. Well, you let a man come in here tonight with a hood on and you can't see his face and his hands are in his pockets and he walks down here and sits on the front and he won't look up and he's all fidgeting. He's all, now don't judge him. Don't, but now that, don't, but don't judge him. You let a man come in here. I mean, let's, let's don't be judgmental, amen. No, a spiritual man judges. And the same crowd makes judgments all day long. I mean, they go throughout their day and they judge uh, uh, people all day long. I mean, if you're standing in a bank uh, and who'd ever thought you'd go to a bank with a mask on nowadays, you know? Uh, but you do. But I mean, if you're standing in a bank uh, and somebody walks in, you know, uh, and they've got a ski mask on uh, and they've got a duffel bag uh, and they've got their hand in their Now, don't judge them. Amen. Don't be judgmental. I want to tell you what that is in, in plain old Murray County language. It's hogwash. Amen. In Japanese, it's hogwashi. Isn't that right? That's a crowd. You know what? They'll, they'll take your words and twist them up. I tell you, listen, what we believe tonight, we know it's true. You know why? Because we back it up with the word of God. Amen. Hey, listen, our young people in our homes in America, you know what they need? They need preaching in love. They need preaching where somebody cares. They need preaching with compassion. But they also need some straight delivered across the pulpit preaching. Amen. They need Bible preaching. There needs to be verses to back it up. But I'm not afraid of this liberal crowd or you. I'm not afraid 
afraid of this religious crowd and what they say is not going to bother me and what they say ought to not bother you. When they persecute you and persecute your words, just be steadfast. Just keep on going on. No, they persecuted his words and they will persecute your words. I worked with a man one time and he used to always want to ask me about Jesus turning the water into wine. And I would always tell him, I, I would say to him, I'd say, Choice, I'm not going to answer that. He said, why, you don't know the answer? I said, no. I said, you like to drink and you're just trying to find a verse to, uh, to stand. He said, no. He said, that Jesus, was it fermented or not fermented? I said, I'll tell you what, if you'll turn water into wine, I'll drink it. Amen? I'm telling you, friend, listen, he ain't able to do that. Uh, and you know Jesus didn't drink fermented wine. Somebody say amen. Uh, uh, listen, he had a Nazarene vow upon him. Uh, uh, listen, he would not do that. Uh, you say, was that wine fermented? Well, the governor of the feast said it wasn't. Uh, he said he brought that which was best he brought it in last and the best wine was the first wine it was the fruit of the vine and it was that unfermented wine and so that's what the book says and you can't argue with a book amen the bible said don't even look on it amen and don't touch it amen I'm talking about hey and while I'm still on the subject listen Christians don't drink somebody say amen they don't social drink booze is the devil's brew amen and they'll take your words and they'll persecute you but go ahead it is the word of God tonight, amen. We're living in a time when people say they're wanting to label hate speech, the cancel, the cancel culture crowd. And they're gonna take everything we say and try to turn into hate speech. But I'm gonna tell you something tonight. The Bible is our authority, amen. It is our mandate and we're to preach it. And listen, you be strong in your convictions. Don't be a smart aleck. Don't, listen, don't argue with a sinner about some principle or some conviction. You just give them the gospel, amen. You don't owe them an explanation about anything. You owe them the gospel. And if you've got discernment, that's the only thing you ought to give them is the gospel, amen. But I'm telling you at the same time, don't back up on where you stand. Don't back up on your convictions. Amen. I'm telling you when Christmas time comes around and they want to give you some wine. Listen, for Christmas, you don't take that wine and say thank you. You just say no thank you. And if they ask you, you say, well, I'm a Christian and I don't drink. You can be kind in that. You say, but listen, they might persecute me. Hey, listen, friend, you ought to take a stand. Hallelujah. I don't know why I'm preaching on liquor tonight. But I'll tell you, I hope nobody here drinks it. Isn't that right? I'll tell you, I know firsthand what it can do to your home, your life. It'll destroy everything good in your life. They persecuted his words. Be faithful in your words. They're gonna persecute his words. Then they persecute his witness. Look at verse 40 again. If, that's a word of no faith, if thou be the son of God, come down from the cross. This crowd was trying to tempt Jesus in his own witness. If you're who you say you are, do this. I'm gonna tell you, Jesus Christ was nobody's puppet. He was not a performer. He, was not, he wasn't then and he's not now. He wasn't interested in doing something to please the crowd. He wasn't a, pr- a crowd pleaser, amen? And they'll sometimes attack your witness. Uh, uh, sometimes they'll say things about, uh, listen, uh, listen, your testimony. You know, it, it sometimes uh, as a Christian, uh, it doesn't matter what you do. Uh, people are just gonna always find something to say. They'll say statements like this. Well, they'll just wait for the opportunity to say, well, I I thought you was a Christian. Y'all ever heard anybody say that? I I had a family member one time, they they pulled that card on me. They said, well, I I just thought you was a Christian. I said, I am, but don't pull that Christian card on me. Amen? I said, look, if you want to talk about Christianity, they don't want to talk about Christianity. You see, they'll attack your witness. They find out that you're King James only, they'll attack your witness. I still believe the King James Bible is the Word of God. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you, it's sad, but we got preachers in this day and time. They still use it, but uh, they're ashamed of it. They'll say different little things like, well, it's the Bible that, that I use. I think it's the, the closest version uh, to, to, uh, to the, most re- the, the most closest thing to the real thing. I believe it is the real thing, don't you? It's the, word, it's the Bible I, that I got saved on. Amen. 
It's the Bible that helped my Christian life. Uh, I'm telling you, this old book right here, it got me out of the sinning business, uh, got me out of the life of sin, thank God. Hey, this book right here is the word of God. Uh, it's the answer to all of life's problems, uh, but they'll attack your witness. Uh, they'll say you're King James only. Hey, I believe it's the King James is the word of God. Uh, I believe we ought to be dogmatic in what we say and what we believe. We ought to stand without apology. They're gonna attack our witness in this day and time, but we ought to witness and we ought to be bold in our witness. To be bold in your witness does not mean that you have your fist clenched and that you're a smart aleck. It just means you're not ashamed of who you are and where you stand. When you walk in a restaurant, you ought to bow your head and pray over your meal. Is that right? I'm telling you, you ought to let people see that you're a Christian. When you go to church, and I know we live in a day of technology, but I'm telling you, carry a Bible when you go to church. Is that right? I use an iPad when I'm preaching for notes only. But I, listen, I think a preacher ought to, he ought to have a Bible in his hand when he goes to the, uh, the pulpit to preach, amen? And I'm not, uh, listen, I, I, I know people say, well, that's just uh, uh, paper and ink, but it is the word of God. Hey, that iPad may go down, you know that? Uh, the devil's the prince and power of the air, and if he can, listen, I write my sermon in the Bible and on my iPad, you know why? Because I don't trust the devil, amen? And if that technology goes down, thank God this ain't going down, amen? He can't erase this right here. I'm just telling you, friend, we ought to have some convictions about us. Amen. Carry a Bible when you go to church. When you walk out to your car, let them see your witness on Sunday morning. Hey, you ought to look like you're going to church. You ought to tote a Bible when you go to church. If that sinner looks out the window, they ought to know where you're going on Sunday morning. Is that right? People will attack your witness. I remember one time being at a family gathering and uh, in that family gathering, it was a large group of our family that got together. I always had to be careful because my family wasn't Christians when my children was coming up. And they were probably three or four or five years old. And I told my mother, I said, I'll come. I said, if they'll do right. I said, uh, I said I'll, I'll come. And so, uh, you know, we came and we wanted to see family. Don't misunderstand me. But when we got there after a little while, there were some things going on that I couldn't let my kids be around. I sat there for a few minutes. I tried to, you know, you want to be cordial. But after a while, things started getting worse. And they got worse. And finally, I'm going to be honest, my wife's sitting right here. She'll tell you the truth. I stood up and I said, Mom, and I called for you. I said, I will come see y'all. But I said, I will not come back to another one of these gatherings. And I'm going to tell you something. I felt the demons of hell breathing on my back of my neck walking out of there. And to this day, there are people that think, well, he thinks he's better. And I don't think I'm better. I got one shot to raise my kids when they were coming up. And I love family. But I'm going to tell you something. I wouldn't let nobody, including family members, if they, I feel like, listen, if they, I respect them when I go to their house. They ought to respect me. Is that right? I didn't go to their house and telling them how they ought to do things. And, and, but when we get together, we ought to be civil. And I don't know why I'm preaching that tonight, but other than to say this, if you got family members, you'll never win your family members okay in what they're doing. You'll never win your family members uh, going along with what they're doing. And you can go visit them and you can go see them, but when they're not doing right, you ought to just say, I cannot, and I wasn't mean, but you ought to say, I cannot go along with this. Uh, I'm gonna be, and I don't care. Listen, you say, well, what if they never talk? to me. Amen. What are you going to do when that seven-year-old starts acting like that 17-year-old at that family gathering? The influence that they could have on them, and I know this is tight preaching right now. You can't reverse it, friend. And I don't go, I'm not telling you to go mark every one of your family members off tonight. I'm telling you you better have some boundaries. And family will respect you more for taking a stand in love than going along with them. It'll affect your children in a way that you, 
that you cannot ever reverse it. I, I, I don't know why to say that other than to say this. You've got to, you've got to know where you stand in your witness. And, and then let me just say this. I had a funeral. My sister's funeral. I don't know why I'm telling you all this personal tonight. But at my sister's funeral, two of the most wickedest cousins I have got saved. And I'm going to tell you what I'm convinced of. They wouldn't have got saved if we'd have just swept it under the rug and went along with everything that was going on. They would have never got saved. You know, say why? Because they wouldn't have had no more respect for the things of God, they'll respect you more for taking a stand in love rather than just rolling over and going along with it. And I'm telling you, friend, as your children are coming up, I just cannot emphasize that enough to you how the importance, uh, you cannot shield them from everything. And I understand that. And you'll drive yourself crazy if you try to worry about every little thing that comes along in life. Uh, and I understand that. But they'll make little statements like this. Oh, well, you're sheltering your children. You're sheltering them too much. I heard all that when they was coming up. I didn't say anything bad. But you know what I thought in my mind? Uh, absolutely right. Uh, you build, build a shelter over something that's valuable. You build a shelter over things to protect them. You put a shelter around things you don't want the enemy coming in and taking away from you. Uh, and if God give you some children, you better shelter them uh, till the day they walk down that aisle uh, and they're out of your hands and in the hands of God and somebody else. Talking about tonight, persecution. Maybe somebody's got a family member tonight that's putting the pressure on you. Tonight, you, you'll just have to take the right stand. Amen, you'll never be sorry. Then they attacked his works. Look what they said in verse 42. He saved others, himself he cannot save. They wanted Jesus to perform a miracle so bad. So they attacked his works. I want to tell you this tonight, and I'm going to move on about serving God. If you have, and many of you already have. You cannot, but, but you need to learn this tonight if you hadn't learned it already. You cannot serve God for people. You better serve God because you love Him. Is that right tonight? I don't care if you've got a best friend in this church, and there's nothing wrong with that. But you better not serve God for people. You better serve God because you love Him. You can't serve God for your pastor. You can't serve God for some godly saint in the church. You know why that is tonight? Because people will sometimes let you down. I remember one time somebody had great confidence turned on me. And God used that in my life to wake me up to what I just said. That you cannot serve God for others. Because you never know. I pray that it would never happen. But you never know who's going to stay with you. Brother Laddie said it tonight. There have been people come through this church in just the short time I've been here. Brother Capel's here 37 years. And tonight I'm sure he could tell a lot more than I could. But in 23 years, I won't tell you what I've seen. I've watched people come through this church that was a great blessing. And God used them. And I thought they'd be here till, till we died or till Jesus, till Jesus came. I tell you, if 23 years has taught me anything, it's taught me this, you don't know who's going to be here in the end, including the person you're looking at tonight. You don't know who's going to be here. I want to be here in the end, don't you? I'll tell you, Brother Josh, I don't know who's going to be here 25 years from now. But I'll tell you, if God will let me, I want to be here 25 years from now. There's people come in this church, shouted, sang, taught, preached, the list goes on and on, testified. We thought, man, they'll serve God and they're no worse to be found tonight. And that doesn't make me feel good about myself. It's just a reminder tonight if it could happen to them, it could surely happen to me tonight. But by the grace of God, I pray that it doesn't. I just want to finish right, don't you? I want to be faithful. I want to be steadfast. I, I tell you, if this church is still afloat and I pray we're all in heaven, I pray the rapture takes place before 25 years from now. But if the rapture hadn't take, taken place uh, and churches are dying all around us uh, and this 
church is still going in the right way and there's still a handful of people here. I want to be a part of that crowd, don't you? I want to sell out and stay faithful. I want to have some longevity in church membership. Others may come and others may go and they'll have to go do whatever they're going to do. But I tell you, I want to be faithful and they may persecute the work, but let's just carry on. Hallelujah. Somebody said, a few months ago, they said, you know, your church was on such and such website. I said, what is, what is that? And they said, well, it's a website where they attack uh, 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 churches, old-fashioned churches. And they said, uh, you want me to send you the link so you can see it? I said, man, I don't want to see that. I said, one, if I saw it, I'm just going to get mad. Amen? And then it might show up in the preaching, and they don't need to hear that. I said, and then three, I said, we don't even care what they think about what we're doing. Amen? They're not members here. Their name's not on the roll. They don't pay tithes. If they don't like what we're doing, there's plenty of other places to go and to figure out what you want to do. But I thank God for this church. I thank God for what he's done down through the years. It's been a blessing to my life. It's been a blessing to my children. It's been a blessing to my wife. I don't know where we'd be at tonight if it wasn't for the Lord and Bible Baptist Church. No, it's not a perfect congregation, but this is the best crowd I've ever ever seen. This is the best crowd I've ever been a part of and I want to stay with you until we go home to be with Jesus. Hallelujah. Isn't that right? I mean, I love Bible Baptist Church. How many of you love your church tonight? If you don't love your church, get right with God. Amen. And don't let somebody poison you. Amen. I tell you, when people leave church, I hate it when they leave. It, It just tears me up when they leave. Have you ever noticed when people leave a church when they're not right with God? They don't have the guts. Why don't they just call our name? But they don't have the guts to do it. Brother Mike, they'll have to get on social media and send a blended message. I wish they'd just call our name. But they got to send one of those mystery messages. We know who you're talking about and we're praying for you. That's how I feel about people like that. Your problem's not Bible Baptist. Your problem's not Brother Gravely. Your problem's the Lord. And the devil's got you. I tell you, I've seen people leave and and they go out and say things about the church. It always saddens my heart for them. Because just like you said, I know they're headed for destruction. Their little old words against us doesn't mean anything. And I'll tell you this tonight too, and I think you'll amen this. If every one of them would load up and walk back in this church tonight and get in this altar and get right with God, I tell you it'd be worth it, wouldn't it? We'd just take them back with open arms. Amen. They'd have to repent. I believe they ought to repent. Amen. If they'd just get up and say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have... I shouldn't have left. I shouldn't have said. I shouldn't have done the things. I I shouldn't attack the church or attack somebody in the church. We wouldn't care tonight, would we? I'll tell you the bottom line is that if they'd get right with God, that's all that even matters in eternity. Amen. But they'll persecute the work. And I've watched other people sit in a good church and somebody leave and they'd start listening to that stuff until finally it got a hold of them. You know what happened to them? They drank the poison. Amen. You know, even in the church, I don't think there's nothing wrong with people going out and having some fellowship. If you go out to the restaurant or you go to somebody's house and you have fellowship, if the church comes up, it ought to just be good things. Again, I hadn't heard nothing, but it's always good to preach on this. It ought to be good things. Somebody invites you over for dinner and they want to start talking about the church. Old brother Bobby Barnes said, not when he was here, but he was at another church. He said some family invited him over. He told it preaching, I reckon I can. He said somebody invited him over for dinner, him and and his wife and another couple. He said they got to talking about the preacher. (laughs) He said I sat there for about two minutes and he said I felt the top of my head getting red. He said, finally, he said, I stood up and said, hey, 
He said, that's my preacher and that's yours. He said, and y'all ought to be ashamed of yourself and y'all ought to get right with God. He said, I got Patty and I left. If you don't believe it, you ask him. I heard him tell it. I want to tell you tonight, that's the way it ought to be. Amen. Uh, listen, uh, and the preacher ought to be the same way about the church. Amen. Somebody want to talk about you? Uh, I got no time for that. Amen. No, listen, what they may be telling might be true, but nobody's perfect. Amen. And as a pastor, you pastor everybody where they're at. Some may be closer to God than others, uh, but you love them all and you, and you pray for them all and you don't want nobody talking about your church family can I get a witness amen you stand up for each other you pray for each other they'll persecute his they persecute his work they'll persecute yours and then I want to say this here in closing they persecuted his worship they said in verse 43 he trusted in God let him deliver him now if he will have him this is the if crowd Oh, he trusted in God. They're, they're, they're persecuting his worship, his faith. People will persecute your worship. Maybe if you testify or you shout or you say something or you go to, maybe you're not a person that does that, but you go to a church where people shout or they praise God or, or something and people sometimes, will, they'll persecute that. You go to a church where, where people don't make an apology about how we stand on certain things. You go to a church where sinners are allowed to come any way they want to, but church members believe in modesty and dressing right and doing right. We don't make a, we don't make a to-do about it, but we believe it. Can I get a witness tonight? It's not a hobby horse that I want to uh, that I want to ride, but I'll tell you something you have to preach about nowadays because if you don't, your church will get loose and it'll get worldly, and sometimes people will make little snide remarks about the church because oh well, you're one of those churches that where uh, you know where the men dress this way and the women dress this way. That's exactly what we are. That's who we are tonight. But we're also one of them churches where a sinner can come any way they want to. We're also one of them churches where if you bring a lost family member, we're gonna pray for them and we're gonna wanna see them saved and we don't care if they come in and they got tattoos from the top of their head to the sole of their feet. We don't care if you invite your son to this church and he's got long hair all the way down his back. We don't care if he's got piercings all over. Hey, we're not interested in that. We're interested in his soul. We wanna see him get born again. I tell you, we're in a church where folks will pray that he'll come to know Jesus Christ. Hey, if you're here tonight and you're lost, I want you to know we're interested in your soul. We don't want you to go to hell, young lady, young man. We want you to get saved by the grace of God. Don't listen to the critics. You listen to the people that's around you tonight. I'll tell you, when people get saved in this church, I've watched people down through the years, they rejoice with them. They'll criticize your worship. They'll say things like, well, you ought to not, you know, you ought to not be so narrow-minded. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him. The problem with the crowd at the cross that day was that they had an agenda. And tonight, Calvary is the place of persecution. So if we live by the cross, we're going to be persecuted. I want to say this in closing. Don't let what people say influence you the wrong way. Don't be a follower. Don't let somebody come in this church tonight and change who you are. I have seen that as a pastor. The immature in the church are influenced by the least person that comes in. They follow personalities. They're bad. I've watched people come in this church and I've watched people's personalities sometimes change because they were so influenced by this individual. That can be a dangerous thing. Fellowship means we love everybody. Can I get a witness? But I'll tell you tonight, you can't, you can't look to people but so far tonight. You need to look to Christ. Amen? Don't, uh, don't pattern yourself after somebody. If you don't pattern yourself after somebody, let it be Jesus tonight. Amen? Look like Jesus. Act like Jesus. I'm, I thank God in this church that this is not a church where there's a who's who in this crowd. 
Can I get a witness on that? I mean, I've done preached. I mean, I've done preached as close to the road as I can get. I might as well go a little further before we go home. No popularity in this crowd. Amen. No big dogs. No, uh, you know, if you're running for election, guess what? We're not having one. You just lost right now. You're not going to win. Don't try to be somebody. I tell you tonight, the Bible said if a man thinks of himself to be something, he's nothing. When he's nothing, he deceiveth himself. I'm going to tell you, a suit of clothes does not make me anything more than I was when I didn't have them on. Is that right tonight? A nice dress. Thank God for young people that's got these young girls, young girls, that's got a nice dress on. But it doesn't make you anything special tonight. Amen. Don't follow people tonight. I, I've seen it tear a church apart. Somebody come in. They want to be big dog on campus. You ought to mark that. and You ought to run like a scalded dog from it. Amen. Amen. That's right. I see that come in. Hey, I'm going to run from it as far as I can. Yes. Amen. Man come in here one time, and uh, Brother David knows who, he, he may not think of it, but you know the person. He come to, in here, and he said, uh, started telling me, he said, I'm looking for a church to join. I said, well, hallelujah, we're looking for members. He said, well, I want you to know. He said, I've led the choir here, I've led the choir there, I've led here. He said, hey, boy, he started laying out the, the credentials. Only problem was we had a choir leader. I said, well, we got a choir leader. I just went ahead and told him that. He didn't come back Sunday night. Well, I mean, somebody would have to, I mean, he would have to sue his brain for non-support to think that I was going to fire the choir leader just to get him to join. Now, that's not, I, listen, I'm from Murray County, but that's not good math even. I'm going to fire one to get one. Amen. That's a wash. You know, there's people, they, they're, they're looking for a place to roost, aren't they? I, I don't know why God wants me to preach it other than we need to know that tonight. Amen. How many of y'all like unity in the church? Amen. You know why we got it? Because the ground's level tonight. And when you see somebody come in, and I tell it to the young people, but I need to tell it to the adults. When you see you, me and Brother Daniel and Brother Laddie sitting here talking, and you see some man come in the church and maybe a lot of people don't want to talk to that person that ought to be the person we go to I ought to break off brother Laddie and brother Daniel or brother Daniel ought to break off to me and walk over there and just cause they're sitting by themselves and say hey brother how you doing you might be or not so well they're not interesting to talk to you're probably not either but people talk to you. Yeah. Yes. Well, we, well we, we don't have nothing in common. Are you saved? Yeah. I'm going to tell you something. Too many times we miss out on knowing how good some people are because we just never reach across the aisle. Amen. Yes, Brother Jack Mendelton never said two words, did he? He said over there, first time I met him, I thought he hated me. He stared at me the whole service. He went out. He went out and shook my hand and didn't even smile. You know, he don't even, Jack, Brother Jack didn't even smile. I went out and told no lead. I said, that guy right there, can't he will not vote for me as the pastor of this church. And after, after he, after I, the church called me, he came up to me and was just not with a frown on his face. He said, you want to go on visitation? I thought, not with you. <laughs> I said, I reckon. I told her, I said, I'm going to go on visitation with this guy. I can tell you right now, I'm not going to enjoy it. Well, he went on visitation. He didn't say two words. Nothing. Going down the road. He didn't talk. He didn't ask. I, I, I'd ask him a question. I said, well, how you, how you doing, brother? Fine. That was it. I mean, I was like sweating bullets in the car. 
I thought, Lord, I mean, it'd be easier to talk to a convict and talk to this deacon here. And I thought, Lord, if I get out of here, I'm not ever going on visitation again. And I got home and the Lord said, you, you need to go out with him again. And I don't know how many years on the, on the Tuesday of every Tuesday morning for probably five or six or seven years, I'd go down here to Hardy's where all the old people are. That's 23, 24, 25. I, and I got to noticing all them people sitting in there. They ate all them biscuits, you know, Brother Danny, till every one of them had a hump in the middle. And I thought, Lord, I'm going to sit down here and eat these biscuits with these people. And I'm going to look, I mean, I'm going to be 30 years old with a hump in the middle, you know. Amen. I go down and sit with Brother Jack. And after, after a little while, me and Brother, I, I, I enjoyed it. He got to be one of, I, I looked forward to it because he wasn't who I thought he was. In fact, he, he was more comical. He told me one time, he said, you know, I, I made brakes for a car from England. One time I bought a car from England and I didn't, you couldn't buy brakes, so he said, I just made brakes. I said, how'd that go? Because he lived right up here behind the church on the hill. He said, well, I made them. He said, I drove down the hill and around. It worked good. He said, I come back up the hill, pulled in my driveway, and his backyard was like you went through the, and he was went straight down. And he said, I put the brakes on and never stopped. He said, I went right down through it. Went to the bottom, hit a tree, totaled the car. They wanted to kill him. I said, what'd you do? He said, I just got out and shut the door. Started putting junk in it. And he said, it's, and he said, it's still there. I mean, it's like 30 years later. I said, can we go see that? And I went and looked at that old car. 30 years had been down there. I mean, it's just some of the best times. With somebody that's old enough to be my granddaddy. Amen. But you don't know until you reach across the aisle what you could be missing out on. Amen. The last thing he said to me was standing right here. Brother Dave, I think it was the morning y'all visited. Because I preached on adultery. And he walked right from there to here. And he shook my hand with tears in his eyes and he said, don't ever quit preaching like that. He said, keep on preaching that way. He got killed in a car wreck two days later. I'm going to tell you tonight, he was a great blessing to this church. You don't ever know. Just don't limit yourself.